0: Hi, Daryl. Welcome to Self-Care Club.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Just wanted to start with a question of why is humility so important? I think humility
2: is important for a number of reasons. Um, The first reason is uh, humility really helps improve our relationships. So a lot of scientific research suggests that we really prefer people who are humble to people who are not. We'd rather date them, be their friends, um, work with them. But we also know that humility is important because it helps us have an accurate view of ourselves and the world around us. So for those of us who are looking to improve ourselves, experience personal growth, we need to have an accurate sense of our strengths and our weaknesses and areas where we can grow. And then finally, humility is really important for helping us connect with people who are different from us, from, from bridging divides across politics, religion, or other areas that seem rather divisive.
0: Okay. Can you, I've asked a few people in my life this week, as part of our practice, how humble I am, how hum, how much humility they think I have. And each and every one has asked me, well, what do you mean by humility? Can you give us your definition of what your definition of humility is?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's two ways to think about it. So one way to think about it is that humility is about being the right size in a situation. So not too big, but also not too small. So a lot of people understand the, the the not being too big. So not being overinflated or arrogant. And that makes a lot of sense to people. But also it's about being not too small. So not shrinking, not deferring to others when you have expertise. So if if I'm going to go see the uh, the doctor, if I'm going to see a neurosurgeon and I need brain surgery and they come in, I don't want them to say, gee, Daryl, what do you think I should do in this situation, right? They have the expertise. I want them to, to step yeah. into that. The other way of thinking about humility is it's our ability to know ourselves, check ourselves and go beyond ourselves. So by know ourselves, people who are humble have an accurate view of their strengths and their weaknesses, things they're good at but also things they need to change. To check ourselves means we can kind of reel in and keep our selfish motivations in check. So we don't act defensively, we don't pretend to be superior to other people, but instead we, we value other people. And then finally to go beyond ourselves is we consider the priorities of others. So we really prioritize what other people need in a situation and think of their needs in addition to our own.
0: Okay. In addition to, I like that.
2: In addition.
1: Yeah. And so our, our podcast obviously is about well-being and self-care. And I I'm wondering if a lot of listeners would be thinking, well, what's humility got to do with our well being? How does being a more humble person benefit our well-being? Yeah, that's a great question.
2: You know, because a lot of people probably would think, you know putting yourself first is probably the way to to make sure you're caring for yourself the best. Yeah. But really what we see is we we live in cultures where the the desire to promote oneself and to be caught up in the narcissistic traps uh, of our society really have left us feeling more anxious, more alone, more depressed than we've ever felt before. And what we're doing simply isn't working. Mm -hmm. And so- Humility really does help our, uh, our well-being. So uh, some of the research my colleagues and I have done have found that people who are, who are humble and who also find a humble partner, they navigate uh, life transitions a lot better. So the transition to parenthood, uh, persistent disagreements in their own relationships, all of those things physiologically, they have better responses when they and their partner are humble. You, you might also imagine though that uh, it's probably good for our self-care. It's probably good for our well-being when we can accurately see ourselves. So if we're deluded into thinking we're the best at everything or we don't acknowledge some of our weaknesses, we don't really know how to grow. And so humility is really gonna be helpful because it really fosters a sense of seeing yourself for who you are. And what it does is it's rooted in a deep sense of security. So I don't have to go chase external standards of worth or beauty or wealth in order to feel like I'm enough. I can just be enough and out of that live the life of humility.
1: So all this obsession with our self-esteem and feeling like our self-esteem is based on how many likes we get on our post and how many followers we have on Instagram, it's actually making us worse because we're chasing something endlessly that actually, if we felt like we were enough, and if we felt secure enough, we wouldn't need that to help us along, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So all of the things that we're doing that we think are making us feel better are are kind of backfiring. There's always going to be someone who has more followers, who has a post that gets more likes, people that have more money that we think look more attractive uh, than us. And so when we put our self-esteem, our our worth, and our well-being in the hands of other people, it's incredibly disempowering. Uh, And and we leave our well-being up to other people. So humility can be a way of of taking back a sense of autonomy and agency and control in our lives. I love it. I love
0: it. Uh, Daryl, can you talk us through the four primary types
2: of humility? Yeah, absolutely. So the first place that we often see humility showing up is in our relationships. So researchers call this relational humility. So if in your personal relationships, and your romantic relationships, with your friends, if people say, yeah, this person is humble, they're, they're aware of who they are, uh, they're modest, they can share the praise, but they also accept part of the blame, that would be relational humility. A second place we see humility is around ideas or our beliefs. And that's what people call intellectual humility. So acknowledging that what I believe might be fallible. And in fact, I might actually be wrong. A lot of us don't like to think that we're wrong because if we did, we'd change our mind. And being willing to revise our beliefs based on sufficient evidence is intellectual humility. A third and a really desperately needed form of humility right now is cultural humility. So cultural humility is the acknowledgement that the way I see the world, my worldview is just one of many ways of seeing the world. And it's not superior. It's not the best way. And in fact, I demonstrate curiosity to learn from other people who have a different worldview and to value their diverse perspective, which might be different than my own. And finally, the last is what's called existential humility. So this is in the light of uh, the universe of something larger than ourselves. We We can appreciate our smallness. We can appreciate something that's bigger than us. And it grounds us with a deep sense of gratitude.
1: Interesting. We, we always find that our practices go back to gratitude.
0: Yes. In the end. Yeah. They they always overlap with all of our mental practices. You kind of can't not come face to face with good old gratitude. It's true Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash self-care club.
1: That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash self-care club and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show.
0: notion.com slash self-care club.
1: What are some simple ways that people can go about bringing humility into their own lives?
2: Yeah. One of the first places to start is to get a sense of how humble other people think that you are. So the very very first time I ever did an interview on humility, um, you know, the interviewer wanted to know, well, how humble, you know, does your wife think that you are? And so on this particular day, um, it might not have been my best day to ask. Uh, My wife and I were supposed to go to the beach and I took an interview at the exact time we were supposed to go to the beach. I promised my wife it'd only take 15 minutes. The interview ended up taking an hour She was very patiently waiting. She had packed everything to go ready to the beach. And then when I come upstairs from the interview, I ask her, oh, by the way, can you just take everything that you've just packed to the beach and I'll meet you there? Because I was training for a marathon. I'll run the seven miles and meet you there. (laughs) Um, So I made her wait. I'm asking her to lug all this stuff. And then at the end, I say, by the way, how humble do you think I am? Uh, and she gave me a four out of ten, which right. <laughs> in the in the moment I thought that was pretty low, but on on retrospect that was probably a pretty generous uh, assessment. So even people who are steeped in it, people who think that they're pretty good at it, um, we ne- we actually need to know. So we should ask people around us how humble that how humble we are. When they tell you, don't do what I did. So what I did when I got that feedback is I immediately became defensive. And I started right. making excuses, and I said, "Oh, you don't know how humble I am." that if you've done that you've lost the plot. So if if you can resist defensiveness and actually realize that people are being honest with you, they're being vulnerable by telling you how humble they think or not humble they think you are. And so take that that feedback honestly take it as information. And then third really work to develop empathy. If there was just one thing I could I could suggest people to do, it's to be empathic towards others. So empathy is really trying to take the perspective of somebody else and trying to attune yourself emotionally to what it is they might be feeling. If you can cultivate empathy, that's going to cascade in so many areas of your life, including with humility. And then the last thing is I'd say it's a constant practice. So it's something you have to commit to regularly. Uh, Our culture is a moving sidewalk towards narcissism and self-promotion. And if you do nothing, you're just going to start winding back towards selfishness. So Practice, practice, practice is the best way uh, to make small gains in humility.
0: How do we get that line right? Because it is a fine line, isn't it, between being narcissistic and having too big a sense of yourself, and yet then there's the other side, which is you're not believing in yourself enough. It, it feels like a very fine plank that we're walking on. How do we? How do we master that?
1: Because we're all, we're all told now. You should have good self-esteem. You should be great. You should be bigging yourself up. You know, that is very much what's promoted to everyone.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it is a tough balance. And I'll admit, it's absolutely a tough balance. And, and so for some people, um, they need to to right size down a little bit, right? So some people just kind of naturally have, uh, they take up more space perhaps than uh, maybe warranted. And, and they tend to, to, drift more towards narcissism whereas other people they might in order to be humble they might need to actually step into their space a little bit more they might need to take up a little bit more space than they have before yeah. because it's all about attuning to to the right size based on your strengths or weaknesses mm-hmm. and a lot of times what we found is that people who are in uh, historically overlooked or marginalized groups humility has really been used as a tool of oppression against them they've been told be humble and what what they hear and what other people are saying is kind of be small and stay out of our way so we can maintain the power and that's not actual humility right and so for 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 folks who have typically been underappreciated or underpowered or disempowered humility might mean kind of stepping up into that right size
1: okay nice i like also in your book the way you brought experiencing awe as part of humility because we also did a week of or walking where we had to go for a walk in nature to somewhere we go all the time or a new place and just not with our phones, just be there and just really experience that. And so that really resonated. I did that this morning. Did
0: you? It's awesome. It's such an easy time mm. in the woods to find the awe and there's just beauty everywhere. If you look for it, you have to look for mm. it. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. So for me, nature is really one of the things that grounds me in so many ways. Um, particularly in humility as well. You know, when I'm around trees that are are hundreds of years old, I look around and I think, these trees have been here long before I, I arrived. They'll be here long after I'm gone. And to be honest, they don't care that much about me. And there's something wonderful about feeling so insignificant and so surrounded by uh, by the permanence of nature that really just helps me realize that what I think is so important and some of the things that I get so anxious or stressed or preoccupied with don't matter as much in the scope of of the broader uh, life around me. Um, I had a particular experience with my wife when we were in uh, Iceland. We happened to see the Northern Lights.
0: Wow. uh,
2: And and just, I mean, a beautiful experience uh, in the middle of the night with the Northern Lights just reminded me uh, of my own kind of cosmic smallness. And like you said, the awe that I felt was so overwhelming. I couldn't help but just feel small. Um, and particularly grateful, as you said, because it all comes back to gratitude and humbled.
0: Mm. Uh, When I was doing my, I'm a coach. And when I was doing my coaching course, we would do a weekend every month. And at the end of every weekend, the one thing that I always walked away with was humility, because Mm. I was always surrounded by people's vulnerability, people's truth, people's honesty, people's rawness. And I just my favorite emotion was always to sit in that humility and feel so grateful that i had i was able to experience that
2: yeah and it really sounds like during those weekends one of the things that was so powerful was you were able to get beyond yourself right you were able to connect with other people you could see their vulnerability their vulnerability invited your vulnerability and my sense is at a, at a certain point you felt like you could be your authentic self and, and I think that humility allows us to live life more authentically because when we're chasing external standards of, of affirmation or worth, we never really feel like we can show ourselves. Because, see, I think one of the core human fears we have is, is rejection. And I don't think it's rejection in like, oh, you know, people, people don't like me. Uh, people don't love me. It's more of being known and being rejected. Mm. So, so many of the times we don't actually show our true selves. And so when we feel rejected, what we can say is, oh, well, they didn't really know me. They rejected this image of me or this persona of me. And so we don't, it, it's more terrifying to share your real self because then if they reject that, well, gosh, you know, what do you have left? And so when we can be invited into sharing ourselves vulnerably, that can be powerfully transformative.
1: I love that. So this is a question that we ask all of the guests on our show. What do you do for your own self-care? Oh
2: gosh, this is so, this is so good. So I, I I've talked about some of these things. So, um, probably the, the one of the top things is spending time in nature. So whether that's hiking, uh, I'm a big runner, so running, and if I can run in nature, uh, that's just so restorative to me. Um, you know, spending time uh, with my wife. Uh, we we just adopted a little rescue puppy, and so if my wife and I take the rescue puppy on a walk or down to the the water. Um, that's uh, powerful for me. And then uh, cooking is actually so different from anything I do in my daily life as a professor. And so being able to do something with my hands and uh, just taking a long time to cook and make a meal. Uh, is another form of self-care for me
1: totally with you there I find it so soothing and so satisfying and almost meditative there is something wonderful about taking ingredients and creating something from it and just the whole process I love it yeah
0: I thought you were talking about the running for a minute definitely not <laughs> the running <laughs> Nicole does the running and I do the cooking that's yes, how it works Okay. Yeah. Daryl thank you so much that was amazing and very insightful so thank you thank you for your book and thank you for being on this interview. If people want to hear more about your work and your book, please tell them where they can find you.
2: Yes, yeah, so my book is available in bookstores or on uh, from Amazon. Uh, they can find more information about me on my website, darylvantongren.com uh, or on Twitter, drvantongren or Instagram at Daryl Tongren.
1: And we should just say the name of the book is called Humble.
2: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so
0: much.